Well, we've been in the middle of this series called I Am, talking about who Jesus is, and we're going to dive uh, deep into that topic today, uh, talking about Jesus' statement of I Am the Good Shepherd. Well, hey, we got to get away for a little bit, enjoy a little time. This is honestly uh, one of the first times we've gotten away in a while, just Jess and I, and we got to go up to Michigan, and I had this like, trip surprise uh, planned for her for her birthday, and uh, truthfully, I thought it was warm this time of year in Michigan. It is, in fact, not, in case you're planning a trip this time of year up to Michigan, um, but they have very pretty beaches, and I love it up there. It just required a jacket and some preparation, but uh, we had a really good time, and uh, one of my favorite things to do on any trip, and uh, Jess will tell you this, much to her dismay, is do something active. Like I would like to go and I like to kind of find some sort of adventure and she appeases me on that and I think she even enjoys it whether or not she um, uh, uh, you know, always says it to me. But we, uh, I found this thing and I'm like, all right, what kind of adventures can we get into while we're up here? And of course, I enjoy sitting as well and just relaxing, but I'm like, we got to at least tackle a few things. So uh, one of the things I found was this thing called Mount Baldhead. I'm like, it sounds really, really cool, and it's on, like, the TripAdvisor top 10 things to do. I didn't explore it too much, uh, but I'm like, it sounds really, really awesome. There's some steps involved, and so we get, we drive up to this thing, we park, and there is definitely some steps involved. In fact, there was something like 300 steps straight up the side of the sand mountain, and uh, I'm like, this is going to be fun. So I'm, like, already trying to pep, like, this is going to be fun, babe, let's go. Like, and, you know, it was pretty grueling, and I'm like, okay, we're up the top. And then from the top, you kind of walk a little bit, and I'm like, the, uh, the, the, the uh, Lake Michigan's just like right there. I can see it. Like, we should, we're all the way up this far. We should go see Lake Michigan. And so it's interesting how things can kind of like seem closer than they are, you know. And uh, so we started hiking down, and uh, we hiked down to this thing. Now, at this point in time, I realized that one of the reviews that I had read about the Mount Baldhead was, um, unless you are a very avid hiker, do not go down the other side because it's a heck of a hike on the way back up. It might seem like it. And I think I remember that. I just disregarded it, and I certainly didn't mention it. And uh, so we start walking all the way down, and we get, and it's all downhill at this point, right? It's very sandy. My shoes are, like, filled with sand by, before I even get, you know, within a few steps because it's just this deep, deep sand, and it's not packed in sand. It's, like, smooth, like you're, you're go, your leg's going down in on every step kind of sand. And so on the way down, it wasn't too bad, and we get down to the, the uh, Lake Michigan. This is absolutely beautiful, like Caribbean-like views. I mean, the water is beautiful. There's a, it's pretty windy and cold, uh, but we're just loving it. You know, we're having a nice walk on the beach. It's really romantic, and it's just a good moment. And uh, then we turn the corner, and I'm like, okay, now this is where it's going to get interesting because we got to go back up this thing. And so we're walking. Now, it's essentially a sand dune, and if you're not familiar with what a sand dune is, it's just a mountain that's made out of sand. I mean, it's really that simple, and so it's all of the elevation but there's not a lot of good places to stand or step or walk. And so you're just imagining going up a mountain, but in every single step, your foot's going like three inches down into the sand. And you just feel like you're not going anywhere. And I'm starting to get discouraged a little bit. Of course, I'm not saying this out loud, you know, because I'm like, I know that I made a mistake. But I'm like, we're going to keep going. And there's just one part where you're just going right up the side of this, like, and it's like the last stretch. And I'm like, this is just straight uphill. And I'm breathing hard. I'm not saying much, you know. And, uh. Like, at some point in time, I, like, turned around, and I look at Jess, and she just smiles at me. I'm like, what? Like, I'm so confused. Like, why is she smiling? Like, I'm having the worst time ever, just trying to, like, catch my breath. And she's having a great time. She's, like, laughing. She's talking to me. And I'm like, 
I'm so out of shape. Like, what's going on? I can't handle this. And so as we get about three-fourths of the way up, she's still doing fine. And I'm like, well, this is good. Like, you know, at least I'm not in trouble. But I'm like, what's the deal? And she finally lets me know. She lets me in on her little secret. She, she says, she says about a quarter of the way up, I realized that if I just step exactly where you stepped, right in your footsteps, then I've got a nice packed like path right up. So I'm doing all the hard work of just packing down the sand, and she figured out how to make it easier by just following in my footsteps. And as we talk today about this idea of a good shepherd, we have one, a shepherd, a leader that has gone before us, that really invites us to follow in his footsteps. And in fact, one of the ways that Jesus was often referenced was as a rabbi, as a teacher. And a rabbi in that time wasn't just a teacher that taught in a classroom, but it was really this rabbi that invited them to come and walk along with him, to really follow in his footsteps. In fact, there was a saying in the day that you would be covered in the dust of your rabbi. And they would say, go and be covered in the dust of your rabbi. And the idea was that you followed so closely in the teachings and the ways and the lifestyle of your rabbi that you were covered in their dust because you were so closely following in their footsteps steps. You know, many were intrigued by Jesus's teaching. You know, people noted that as all of all the teachers in his day, he taught as one who had authority and not as one of the teachers of the law. But he wasn't just any rabbi and his invitation wasn't just any invitation. In fact, when Jesus called his disciples to come and follow me, it was about more than just transfer of information. It was about life transformation. It was an invitation to follow in his very footsteps, to be covered in his dust. Because ultimately what he was saying was, this isn't necessarily the easy road, but this is the best road. We might be climbing up a mountain, but this is the very best route that you can take, is following in my footsteps. And so when we think of the imagery that we're going to be talking about today, this idea of good shepherd, Jesus is really borrowing from an analogy that would have made a lot of sense to people. A lot of shepherds in their time, and they weren't necessarily the most notable or celebrated profession by any means. But Jesus was saying, here is how um, I want you to see me. I want you to see me as the good shepherd. And it says in John 10, it says, when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. You know, it seems that in this current moment, it's not new to this current moment, but it definitely seems in this current moment that everywhere we turn, somebody's trying to convince us of something. I mean, doesn't it feel like there's always some convincing going on? You're always thinking, like, everybody, somebody's got an agenda all the time. You know, somebody's trying to convince us or sell us something, right? There's always somebody that's out there trying to sell us something. I, I, could, I could say, like, right now on stage an item, like, say it's, like, Coleman Tent. And all of a sudden, my phone picks that up, and it's going to be like giving me advertisements the rest of the day of like Coleman Tents, right? I'm going to be getting all of these. And this is just now, there's this, this nonstop, somebody's trying to sell me something, someone's trying to convince me of something, or someone's trying to lead us somewhere for our own good. Let's just say that there's no shortage of shepherds out there, is there? But there is a shortage of good shepherds. There's no shortage of voices inviting us to follow in their footsteps, so if you ask me the question, did I consider myself a sheep, I would tell you it depends on the shepherd. It depends entirely on the shepherd. We're all following something or someone, good or bad, whether it's a set of ideas that we grew up with, whether it's just our own ambitions or our own desires, or, or maybe it's just somebody that's a trusted person that we have put our trust in. Maybe it's some cultural or popular voice that's out there today. 
maybe in a lot of ways it's a, it's, a, it's a good voice. Or maybe it's just our own feeling of what is right or good. But we're all following something. We're all walking in some set of footsteps. The question I think that we need to all stop and ask is, who's the shepherd? Who's the shepherd? And Jesus says that he is the good shepherd. And I believe that there is a shepherd that's worthy to be followed. And the good news about Jesus is he isn't asking us to follow blindly either. If you watch the kinds of things that Jesus did, if you observe him, you might discover what Nicodemus discovered, and that is that when he said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. So pay attention. Is this shepherd a credible shepherd? And I invite you to put Jesus of Nazareth to the test. He is a good shepherd. And today what I want to do is just talk about what distinguishes him among all the shepherds around us. What makes Jesus the good shepherd? And, and it's, it, it's really his testimony today that I want to dig into a little bit. But it's not just his testimony. It's his credibility that backs up and really reinforces and comes before his testimony. So the first thing I think we, we know about Jesus that makes him ultimately a good shepherd is this, that the good shepherd called, calls each sheep by name. He says this, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep, his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. And this figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying. And so what Jesus is saying is, hey, listen, I am the good shepherd. And one of the things that makes Jesus a good shepherd is that he calls each and every sheep by name. Each and every one of us, Jesus has a concern for, a care for that's deep, deeper than any care or concern that we could imagine. Some of you that are parents, you know that, and, and it's surprising to you when it happens, but when you have a child, you just fall in love with that kid. And you think, I don't, there's no way that like that love could be multiplied if I have another kid, right? But that happens again, and your, your love is multiplied, and you love that kid in, in their own unique way, in just a special kind of way. And now, just imagine the infinite nature of God's infinite love, and how much he cares for each and every one of the sheep. He calls each and every sheep by name. And so one of the things I think we need to ask the question about is when we think about when we're evaluating whether or not a shepherd is a good shepherd is, what's the motivation? And God's mo motivation for us, the good shepherd's motivation is, is love. Um, I, I've told stories before up here. I told one story a while ago uh, about a time that I was pet sitting. And this story, if that story didn't confirm to you that you should never ask me to pet sit, this absolutely will. So I, uh, I and specifically got to pet sit. And really, I, at first I was just thinking I was house sitting, but uh, the pets are at the house, and so I have a pet sitting responsibility too. And I was doing it for the Sams. They let me stay at our, when our house was getting ready. We're like, we'll stay at their house for a couple weeks. And I'm like, this is awesome. They got a pool, and this is a really, really a great setup. And so uh, we were excited to stay there, and I went over one day and just got all the instructions on, like, all the different pets. And uh, Bailey in particular is, like, this big, I think it's a, 
Pyrenees, is that right, maybe? Um, but she's this big old dog, and she's like, I think by nature, she's just like a, what they would call a wandering kind of a dog. Like, in their natural habitat, they just wander. And, like, I didn't really know all this. I really, maybe I did. I just didn't think a lot about it. And, uh, but she has this little collar, and, like, with the collar, like, you can kind of get her to, you know, you can, you can first of all, you holler for her, then you, like, press the little button. It gives her a little sound that's, like, you know, indicates, like, hey, don't, you know, go any further. And then you can, like, buzz her. It's just a vibration. And then you got this, the collar goes all the point that you give her a little shock, you know. And then you can, like, amp up the shock. Like, you can kind of turn up the volume and really send a strong message. And so uh, she's literally like, this is all you need. Just put this on her and, like, she'll, you know, I'm like, sounds, you know, easy enough. And so I had no idea, though, what a flight risk this dog was. I mean, I had no idea. So I go and let her out. I'm letting her out at night. And I'm just like, I'm right there. I'm not going very far. But she's kind of wandering off a little bit. And I'm like, you know, she's kind of getting toward the edge of the yard now. And then she just, like, all of a sudden, she just, like, turns. And I don't know what she sees. or what She's just, like, boom, like, off in another direction. And I'm like, uh-oh. Like, now we're, so I'm following behind her. I've got the little thing. And I'm, at first, I'm just calling her name, you know. Like, surely she's reasonable, you know. Like, I'm just trying to bring you back to your home. And uh, so I'm like, Bailey, Bailey. And it's like, she doesn't hear a thing. She's just like, like off, you know, doing whatever. I'm like, uh-oh, like this, this situation is escalating because it's getting dark and there's a tree line. If she could see the other side of that tree line, there's no way I'm catching her, you know? And I'm like just imagining the phone call to Steven, you know, and the family. Like, uh, you know the dog I was supposed to watch? Well, we don't know where she is, you know? But here she is and she's continuing. And so then I'm like, okay, like maybe I just need to turn on like my, my father-in-law talks about with his dogs and training them. He's like, you got to use the alpha voice, you know? And so I'm like, Bailey, come here, right, you know? Like, trying my best, didn't work. Like, she's still like, just like, I'm not alpha enough, apparently. And so I'm like, all right, we got this little thing. Didn't want to have to use it, so I'm, I'm beeping her and nothing. I'm like, okay, great. Like, she's continuing on further. And then I'm like, in quick succession, I'm like, okay, buzz, 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 buzz. I'm like, nothing's happening. She's going further. And then I'm like, I just like turned it up and like shocked her. Like, and I think I, I saw her like kind of hop, but she didn't come back. She went the other way. I'm like, no, I've scared her further. And so now I'm in this situation where I'm like, I don't have shoes on. It's dark. I like, I just like started running. Like I had some sandals. I kicked them off. And then I'm just like after her, like running her down. And I'm like, because if she gets to that tree line before me, there is no chance. And I know she's faster than me. So I'm trying to like flank her and like sneak up around the other side. So I come around the other side of the barn. And by some mercy of God, she had to stop to use the restroom. And at that point, like, I didn't care if she was right in the middle of doing it. Like, I just, like, jumped, like, on her and, like, grabbed her collar and brought her back. And uh, so this is really a rescue story, thankfully. It could have been much, much worse. But when I think about Jesus, when I think about the fact that he is the good shepherd, that he calls us by name, this changes everything. That he cares enough to call us by name. And sometimes he uses discipline, right, to bring us back, to call us back. Sometimes it's a little buzz. Sometimes it's a shock that we need to really draw us back. And for some of us, we keep running the other direction. But we have to understand that on the other side of that is a loving shepherd that understands that there's danger out there and there's things that will ultimately wreck us and ultimately remove us from our home, which is with him. And I think there's a lot of shepherds out there that might be motivated by a thirst for power or prestige or self-interest. And I think it's important for us to back up and say, what's the agenda? But I think about God's love, a love that at times disciplines us but chases us down no matter what. And I love what it says in Matthew 9, 36, when Jesus looks out at the crowds. 
he looked out at the crowds and with just eyes of compassion. This is he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dejected like sheep without a shepherd. And this is the heartbeat of God. This is the heartbeat of our good shepherd, the one that loves each and every one of his sheep, and he wants nothing more than to be united with them. And I've shared this lyric before. You've heard this lyric before, but I think Corey Asbury captures it well. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down coming after me. You know, the one thing that love can't do is force itself upon any one of us. God gives us the ability to keep running away if we want to. But we have to understand that there's a good shepherd on the other side of that call. 1 Peter 2.25 says that you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. And if you haven't done that, or you're in a moment right now where you're running the other direction, I just want to encourage you. Know that God has your best interest in mind when he calls you. Know that it's out of his love that he calls you back to him. And I think you should stop to consider that God may be using circumstances right now in your life to draw you back to him or to perhaps wake you up to something, or perhaps what feels like discipline right now to you is really an act of love. Or maybe that persistent nagging conviction is a sign to start paying attention now, because God ultimately wants what's best for you. The good shepherd is motivated by love. He calls each of his sheep by name. The good shepherd also leads his sheep to greener pasture. I think a question worth asking when we think about the many shepherds out there is, where is this shepherd leading me? And Jesus ultimately is leading us to greener pasture. Therefore, Jesus said, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out, and they will find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it to the fullest. And so there's even this freedom within this relationship with the shepherd that we can go in and come, come in and go out, but ultimately it's in communion with him that we have the safety of the shepherd and we have the ability to experience the green pasture and the best of the best that God has for us. The question is, what? Is, is the shepherd leading us to? And Jesus is leading us toward greener pasture. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> Aiden, the other day, he's asking me about this movie that, like, was on Netflix. I think he's watching this movie. It's called, like, Yesterday or something. I don't know if anybody's seen that movie. I, I just kind of overheard the kids listening to it. And uh, it seemed like a good, just, like, kids movie or whatever. But he, I didn't, hadn't seen it, and he came up to me. He said, Dad, can we have a yes day? And uh, I'm like, what? Like, what is it? what is a yes day? And uh, I was just like, no, we can't have a yes day. You know, just kidding. <laughs> I was like, what's a yes day? He said, well, a yes day is a day where you just say yes to, to whatever I ask, no matter what. And then he gave me an example. He said, like, if I said, can I have an iPad or an iPod, you'd be like, yes. You know, so I was like, oh, okay, it seems pretty simple. And so I asked him a question. I said, what if you asked me for something I knew would do you more harm than good? Like, what if you asked me if you'd go play in the road? He, like, thought about that for a minute. He goes, Dad, I wouldn't ask you to go play in the road. You know, what are you talking about, right? He's like, that's not fun. I would only do things that are fun, you know. And uh, so I kind of was, like, using this as an opportunity, of course, you know, uh, to kind of just talk to us. I said, all right, what, what if we called it the best day instead of a yes day? 
and I just did what, whatever was best for you. And he's like, it's like he didn't know. He's like, this is a trick, right? Like, this is like, this, this doesn't sound as fun as a yes day. Like, a best day? Like, what are you talking about that? But you know where I'm coming from. I mean, especially if you're a parent. And that's not our, it's not that we want to just take the fun out of it. I think a lot of times we see God as God's just like, wants to take the fun out of everything. And so he says, when he says no, it's because he just wants to take the fun. And sometimes I hear this from my kids, like, oh, that's no fun. Like, you say no. Like, you know, like, why can't we have candy? Well, because your teeth are rotting out. Like, literally. Like, so, you know, that's why we can't have more candy. But, you know, if you really want to know. But ultimately, what God wants is to give us the best day. And he doesn't want to just give us the best day. He wants to give us the best kind of life. And so sometimes that means the very opposite of the thing that we think that we need or want or ask him for. And he's a good enough shepherd and he's a wise enough shepherd to know where he's leading us or ultimately where that yes will lead us. And he doesn't want to just lead us to yes. He wants to lead us to what's best. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. There is one that would ultimately lead us into our very desires, right? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And so it's perfect to just for him just to kind of play into our ambitions, our thoughts, our desires, and say, go run wild with that because I know exactly where it's going to lead you. But God says, I don't want to just say yes. I want to give you what's best. Hebrews 13, 20 through 21 says, may the God of peace who, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. May he equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Our desire shouldn't be that God just always says yes. Our desire should be that Hebrews passage right there, that God would equip me with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in me what is pleasing to him through Christ Jesus, to whom be the glory forever and ever. That's what a good shepherd would do. And we can be sure that even when God does not respond the way that we want, that he is working for our good, and he is good, and we, we, we know that, we allow that to be our confidence. The good shepherd leads us to green pasture, the good shepherd never abandons his sheep. Listen to what it says in verses 11 through 13. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he has a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Now, I just want you to imagine like your first job. Well, I was like pushing carts like at Meyer, you know, making minimum wage. And if a wolf came, obviously a bit of a stretch there. If something happened and went down, and I'm not like I'm leaving the carts and I'm out of there, right? Like I don't, I have no ownership of that. I'm just here for a paycheck, right? If there's any real danger, like I'm not going down with the ship, you know? Like I don't, I don't care what it is. Like I'm, you know, I'm not going down with the ship. And he's saying here, listen, there is the hired hand, but there's no ownership there. There's no real care there. There's no real love there. And so the hired hand sees the wolf coming and he does the, the reasonable thing. If it's either me or the sheep, it's going to be the sheep. And so I'm out of here. I don't make enough money for this. I'm out of here, right? But Jesus distinguishes himself and says, no, I am the shepherd of the sheep. These are my sheep. And no wolf, nothing is going to come between me and my sheep. I'm going to be right here. And what I love about Jesus is Jesus is not just, you know, powerless in this situation. In fact, he is powerful. He's a powerful shepherd. And so when he stands there, 
What he's telling us is, listen, nothing will allow me to abandon you. Nothing will ever force me to abandon you. In fact, Jesus doesn't run from the wolf. He runs down the wolf. He runs down evil. He confronts it. There's this movie uh, that I, I watched growing up. I was like the Patriot, and uh, it was it was all about the American Revolution. And there was this um, this reverend that was in the middle of kind of the movie, and um, he all of a sudden is kind of like packing up arms to like go into battle. And the, the somebody's like looking at him like Reverend, like you're you're going out into battle. And he, his his response has always struck me. I can always remember this line from the movie: A shepherd must tend his flock, and at times fight off the wolves. And now Jesus, at times, is confronting evil, right? At, at times, Jesus is stepping up. He's standing up against evil, standing between the sheep and the wolf. Jesus was more than a mere wise sage. He was a force to be reckoned with. He pressed back the very forces of evil. We have a shepherd that doesn't run from evil. He makes evil run. Mark 5 tells the story of a man that was possessed by a legion of demons, and this man, he was just so, he was going so crazy all the time. They could not bound this guy up. They couldn't, but she'd break out of chains because he was so just enraged and out of control. And there was no subduing this guy. Night and day, he would cry out. He would cut himself with stones. I mean, he was just, it was an absolute crazy situation. And when Jesus came along, when Jesus came along, he saw this man from a distance and and, and this man saw Jesus from a distance. He ran and he fell on his knees in front of them. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. So Jesus rebukes the spirit. In fact, the spirit sees him coming before he's even there and runs and falls down. It's like, What do you want from me? I know this man. I know this name. And it's the name of Jesus. And he presses back evil, and what ends up happening is that Jesus confronts the evil that had overtaken him. He casts these demons, which is really a legion of demons, out of him into some pigs that run off the side of a cliff. I mean, just talk about just a strange story, right? It's an interesting story. But what a visual of what evil does in the presence of King Jesus. I mean, what a visual of the power and strength and might that our shepherd possesses. That evil is like, who, what do you want from me, Jesus? And evil flees in his presence. So I just want you to think about what is that thing right now? What is that fear that you have? What is that? What is it? What, what are the things that you're struggling with right now that you need the strength of a shepherd like that? That you need to maybe just recall and remember that when you have a shepherd like that, a shepherd that no force can stand against, that stands between you, that never abandons you. Though things might seem grim or difficult right now, you have that shepherd that will never leave you or abandon you. And that should give us confidence, right? As we face all kinds of difficulty. So my question is, where are you in need right now of his strength? Because a good shepherd is a strong shepherd, a shepherd that can hold his own, a shepherd that can push back the very forces of evil. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. In verses 14 through 18, it says this, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. 
they too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my Father. This is not a sign of weakness when Jesus lays down his own life. He says, listen, nobody takes my life from you. I stand here and I lay down my life for the sheep. This is how much I love my sheep as I'm willing to lay down my life for the sheep. What makes Jesus stand out among the shepherds is that he willingly lays down his life. Do whatever it takes for the sheep. Do whatever it takes for each and every one of us in this room. And it's an ironic move here. The shepherd actually becomes the lamb of his own accord. Remember, lambs were part of the sacrificial system in Israel. It would atone for the sins of the people. And Jesus will become, by his own accord and by his own volition, the good shepherd, the one that lays down his life for the sheep, he will become the sacrificial lamb. I mean, talk about a shepherd that's willing to put, that we should be willing to put our trust in. The one that lays down his life for us. In the book Night, Elie Wiesel, he's a Holocaust survivor, and he recounts the horrors that he witnessed and one moment he recalls with vivid recollection it was when the Nazis executed three Jews by hanging. It was always a very public spectacle. It was always a horrific event. This particular event stuck with them because it was one man, one young man, a, young, a, a, a child essentially, that when dropped from the gallows, he wasn't heavy enough for, to, to die in an instant. For over 30 minutes, he he struggled, gasping for air, and in the middle of this, prisoner yelled out, for God's sake, where is God? And in the book, the protagonist recalls that after a moment of silence, a voice from within answered, where is he? This is where, hanging from the gallows. It's eerily similar to another scene that we know, a scene that as we think about Holy Week, as we think about this moment really on Palm Sunday where Jesus comes in and people are laying down palm branches. They're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, and they're calling out his name and they're worshiping him. But just in a matter of days, there'll be another march and it'll be up a hill called Golgotha, the place of the skull. And it's at that place that Jesus, carrying his own cross, tortured and mocked with each and every step that he took in, in agony that no, no one should ever have to bear with each and every step, lifted up on the hillside of Calvary, beaten and flogged, barely clinging to life, gasping for air, he calls out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And all of this, he endured for you and for me. He took our place. That is the punishment that we deserve. Jesus became the lamb, our true sacrifice. An innocent man willing to lay down his life for the guilt of humanity. All that Christ endured, as we think about this week, and I encourage you to spend some time reflecting on what Christ went through. What Jesus, our good shepherd, endured on our behalf. Because he loves us. 
He loves us that much. While there are no easy answers for pain or for suffering, what we have in our precious Jesus is we have a presence in the pain. We have a path through the pain. We have a promise that even death itself can't steal away, and that's what we think about as we approach Easter Sunday, that the grave couldn't hold him. Revelation 7, 17 says, The Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to the springs of living water, and God will wipe every tear away from their eyes. That's our shepherd. He's the good shepherd. He is the sacrificial lamb. And next week, we're going to have an opportunity, if you would like to be baptized, uh, um, and make that decision to say, that's my shepherd. That, I, the man that gives his life for me, I'll follow in that guy's footsteps wherever he goes, wherever he leads me. And so I want to encourage you, if you've never made that decision, be thinking about making that decision next week. And what a perfect day to celebrate being raised to new life than when we celebrate Jesus laying down his life and being risen out of the grave. I just want to encourage you to do that. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to take some time just here uh, to worship a little bit more. God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you, God, that this idea of you claiming to be a good shepherd is more than a mere claim, God, that your credibility backs it up, that you have demonstrated to us time and time again, over and over again, that you are the good shepherd. In a time when it seems that we've got plenty of shepherds out there, show us the way the the easy yoke, God, that you offer. Show us what it looks like to follow in your footsteps. Thank you for going.